0: So one of the things I think guys are bad at is we like finding the single formula that works. We like to do that same formula over and over and over again. Because it's like math. 2 plus 3 is 5. It will always be 5. It should always be 5. It will always give me 5. But it doesn't work that way. And when you treat a woman like that, she feels that you're not being present. You're not invested. You're not interested in the moment. You're just going through the motions.
1: Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcasts, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started.
2: Good evening, brothers, husbands, men of God. Welcome to this month's Marriage Enrichment webinar titled Sex, Health, and Happiness for Men. Today's presenter is an exciting person. He's a husband and father and loving older brother who is going to be talking about sex, health, and happiness. And he's a very experienced elder brother in our church who has often given these kinds of talks to many brothers and has been involved in this ministry for a number of years. So before I introduce him and ask him to start, Christophe Yasutake, if you have any questions during this presentation on any of the topics covered, you can raise your hand. There's a little hand on your panel, on your webinar panel, and you can raise your hand and we'll call on you and you can ask a question out loud at any time during the webinar, okay? So we'll be watching that hand go up, and if you do prefer to type a question to be anonymous, then you can type it in the question panel, and we will answer it as well during the webinar, okay? So we have two options, either raise your hand and speak if you have a microphone, or you can type your question in the question panel, whichever one you feel more comfortable with. And our webinar tonight is to go until 10 p.m. for one hour, however, Eastern Standard Time. Sorry, for one hour. And if you have any other further questions about the topic, Christoph is more than willing to stay and talk for as long as you need all night. He's open to any kind of question you might have. He's just a great person. He's got a great ear. So, let's welcome Christoph Yasutake for his presentation. Thank you.
0: Okay. Hello, everybody. So again. I just heard, I am Christoph Yasutake. Just a little bit expand on what Benji said before we begin. If you have a question and you feel confident and you want to speak it out loud, raise your hand, action, and we can call on you to ask the question out loud. If you're not comfortable or you don't have a mic, you can type your question in instead and it will be anonymous. And that way we can still get the question and then we can answer it and take care of it that way as well. Also, the topic, as you mentioned, we're going to last until 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And at that point in time, the webinar will be officially over will end and I'll stay along as long as you guys want me to to talk about more questions so the other thing is if you have something more personal or some other question that's a little more maybe, intense that you want to talk about we can also ask those kind of things afterwards as well or even one-on-one so I'll give you guys my email to ask me any questions as well this is something that I do as a labor of love I love talking about this and helping people and networking because I also get a lot out of this as well so it's not only for your benefit I also totally profit from this, so don't think it's me just being altruistic. I really learn a lot by interacting with people and learning new things that way, too. Just bear that in mind. So with that said, thank you very much, all you husbands who are with us and who have signed up for this webinar. One thing I've discovered since doing this is that women are much more interested in doing these kinds of things, and guys somehow aren't. They say, "Oh." Yeah, I'm pretty good at that stuff, you know, sex, I'm good, we're we're fine, I'm good enough at this thing. And that always blew my mind, like, the ability to be just good enough at sex or in the bed is something that I never wanted to have happen to me. So, the best example of this would be me and my wife went to a government-sponsored marriage improvement workshop, and me and my wife are there, and there's a, only other women in the room, and I'm the only guy. And every other person besides me and Lena are there because they are required to go to this seminar legally, and me and Lena are the only ones who have volunteered to go to that. And that just blew my mind as well. So no guys, and no one was doing it because they wanted to do it. So, it's somehow very strange. The next thing I want to say is this is a safe space for you to ask any questions to me, and to we can talk about these things. So, one of the most important things you need to have at safe space is the oath of confidentiality that we're not going to share these things with everybody else. We can't be like, after this is over, hey, I just saw this really cool thing. There's this thing that happened to this one guy. His name is Joe. This happened to him. Oh, man, it was so intense. That's not going to help people be able to share freely and have a good give and take and be able to offer their real questions up. If we feel that what we're going to say is going to be disseminated willy-nilly, then we're not going to open up what we really want to talk. So, I just want you all to know that I trust you all will treat our talk tonight with utmost sincerity and security to not lab or share these details. If you want to share something specifically, please get that person's permission to share before you share it. It's just common decency and good behavior, manners. So, a little bit about me. My name is Christoph Yasutake. I've been now blessed for almost 13 years. I got blessed when I was 20 years old, and my wife was 18. It was a parent matching. When we first got blessed, it was a whirlwind romance in the sense that I was matched to my wife 40 days before I got blessed. So we were matched. I thought she was going on an SDF, it was going to be for two years even, but then all of a sudden, four days later, we're in D.C. getting blessed, and then she's thinking, "Well, do I go back to SDF or you know what I do?" And she prayed, and she got this really strong inspiration to come back to Connecticut with me and my family. So. All of a sudden, we're blessed, and then she comes back to live with me and my parents in our house. And then we got legally married a week later, and what's going to happen next, right? So my first experience with being married was one of super anxiety, and it's something I didn't realize until I was in the pit of suffering. And here's the problem. Our church tells us that we aren't supposed to think about sex. We're not supposed to do anything about sex. Think about it. Talk about it. We have to keep that away from us, and we have to be pure until marriage. So that's part of it. So I don't know anything about sex going into this. But the other half of it is society tells us a lot of things about sex. One of the most important things it tells us, it says that of all the flaws a guy can have, the worst, the most unforgivable thing a guy can do is be bad in bed. It's more forgivable to be a murderer than to be terrible in bed. So when you put that together, I don't know anything about sex. And being bad at sex is the worst thing you can do. I was really terrified to have sex with my wife. So it was over a week before we we finally had sex for the first time. And she was really worried that it was about her. I didn't love her. I didn't like her. And mostly it was because I was really scared about being bad in bed. And I didn't know how to articulate that. And so I was being a little bit shy, reticent, whatever. But it all boiled down to I wasn't feeling confident because society and the world around me told me, that is something I have no experience in, and if you're bad at it, your life is over. It's the worst thing you could do. That was pretty intense, and when we think about all the different pressures and ideas and what people, opinions people have about sex, that we have integrated into our beliefs about sex without even knowing or buying or proving or explicitly agreeing that this is what we believe about sex, you're surprised how much of what you know or you believe is dictated by these outside influences. It's not your decision to be afraid of having sex. It's not your decision to not want to make your partner happy in bed. It's not your decision to think you're okay without having to learn more, study and be good at it. You know, we study to be good at martial arts, to be good at our jobs, but we don't care about marriage or sex. There's no classes about this. There's no study groups. This is not something that we talk about. I think that that's something fundamentally wrong about our mentality about religion, marriage, sex and love we don't study it enough so because of all these things I wanted to be really good at sex and so I started looking into these things I reading books myself I even looked into it a little bit before because I was afraid of this earlier and I didn't really realize how bad it was until I was put on the spot as a virgin on my wedding night which I delayed for over a week so what I'm saying is that it is within us as husbands to take charge of our own sexual relationship with our wives, We're the ones who are at fault, we're the ones who are in charge, we're the ones who have to be responsible about it. We're accountable for our happiness in our marriage. So we need to step up and learn and be excited and be interested in studying and learning and thinking about how to get better and be good at sex. So that's how this all started. So I've been doing this for many years, I've been reading a lot of books, I talk to a lot of people, I try to give my heartfelt advice So if there's anything I say that can be very helpful to you, that's great. If something I say does not help for you, that's okay. You don't have to listen to it. I'm just this dude in Connecticut, and I don't know you. I don't know your life. So every person's situation is unique. Please find and craft your own path that works best for your couple. So with that said, there are several things I do want to talk about that I want to share. But first, let's look at some words from True Father. So let's see what True Father says about lovemaking. If you look with God's eyes of true love, there will be nothing dirty. God created every part of the human body. God created all these things. Who else created them? Have you ever kissed each other's sexual organs? How do you like the taste? There is the most exquisite and infinitely endless taste. It is a taste we can never forget, even after a thousand years. If we look at... Okay, True Father has a lot of things that are very blunt that he says about sex and our attitudes about sex. Things like there should be sexual Olympics in heaven where we should compete to see who can make love the longest and the loudest, other things of that nature. So there's some pretty powerful, canon arguments that we should be really good at sex. But one of the things I wanted to say though is that sex is not something that just happens in the bedroom. If we think that of our entire life. The only time we think about sex, the only time we act on sex is when we're both in bed. Your experience is going to be very small and limited within that specific box. What I'm trying to say is that we're constantly interacting with our wives and to really prepare them to have amazing sex in the bed, we have to be doing activities, we have to think, we have to behave in a way outside the bed that will facilitate amazing sex in the bed. They're not separate. Women don't think of it that way. You can't have a big argument and then 20 minutes later completely forget about your hurt feelings and focus on what makes people happy. We live our life in a continuous connection. We can't break it apart into smaller pieces like that. So specifically what I want to say is romance begins outside the bedroom. And that's something we don't really think about, where we think, oh, I want to have really great sex with my wife. What am I doing outside of the bed that would make her be ready to have good sex. So I will want to bring your attention to one of the most profound quotes of one of my most favorite books. It's The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And the mentality and the thoughts of what he talks about when it comes to war are equally relevant when it comes to talking about sex. Well, let's look at the following quotes and think about how this applies to our mentality, our way of thinking, the way we act when it comes to being good at sex. This is from chapter four, Tactical Dispositions. To see victory only when it is within the ken of the common herd is not the acne of excellence. Neither is it the acne of excellence if you fight and conquer and the whole empire selves well done. To lift an autumn hair is no sign of great strength. To see the sun and moon is no sign of sharp sight. To hear the noise of thunder is no sign of a quick ear what the ancients called a clever fighter is one who not only wins but excels at winning with ease. Hence his victories bring him neither reputation for wisdom nor credit for courage. He wins his battles by making no mistakes. Making no mistakes is what establishes the certainty of victory for it means conquering an enemy that is already defeated. Hence, the skillful fighter puts himself into a position which makes defeat impossible and does not miss the moment for defeating the enemy. These words are very warlike, defeating the enemy, make no mistakes in battle. But when we think about when it comes to romance, we don't want to make mistakes in romance. We don't want to leave things to chance. We want to prepare things ahead of time so we will succeed without mistakes when it comes to the things that are most important to us our hearts the emotions of our significant others and our expression of love to each other and finally thus it is that in war the victorious strategist only seeks battle after the victory has been won whereas he who is destined to defeat first fights and afterwards looks for victory. This is my favorite quote of the Art of War. If we seek romance by diving into things and we don't know what we want or how to get romance or how to succeed at being romantic, we're looking for victory after we fought the battle. If we know what we want, if we have our intentions already ahead of time, we know what outcomes we want, our wife is happy, we're happy, things are harmonious, it becomes much more powerful. It's much easier to establish the success criteria. If we don't know what we want, how can we possibly get it? We need to, as it says, make ourselves invincible and then seek battle.
1: Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love Or leave a five-star review, because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way, and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show.
0: So we can talk about this art of war, we can go into more depth, but what I want to say is a lot of work for profound, amazing relationships go unheard of. We say someone's been married for 30 years, and they have a great relationship. We don't see 30 years of effort behind the scenes, quietly making sure when there are problems, they're taken care of. When there are fights, they're resolved, and not left lingering as resentment and wounds to poisoned relationships. We don't think of all the quiet thought that goes into making sure the other person is happy and taking care of each other. We only see these tumultuous relationships in movies and in media where people have big fights and they immediately come together and we don't know what happens after the happily ever after moment. It's all ups and downs and crazy whirlwind romances and things which are not real because it doesn't have that foundation of continuous effort and work to make things go smoothly and overcome things when there are issues. And that's why we don't have those kinds of movies where it's a movie is 30 years of marriage and they're happy and that's the end of the movie. No, we like seeing that kind of drama and craziness in our movies and our stories in our society these days. But like it says, to see the sun, to hear the thunder, those are not signs of good sight and hearing. you only praise for being of keen eye when you notice small details. So we can't just recognize when our wife is miserably unhappy. We have to recognize when she's feeling unhappy but not showing it. And only small signs are appearing. We have to be able to hear when she's in distress, not when she's lying on the ground with a broken leg. That does not take sight or hearing. So being able to have that attention to detail and forethought and willingness to consider what the person's going through is a big deal and one of the foundations of having good romance. Does that make any sense? So what I'm trying to say is women are very sensitive. And as men, we need to be very cognizant, we need to be aware, we need to be responsive to that sensitivity in order to relate to our wives. So this can be in romance, this can be in emotional support, this can also apply directly in bed as well. We'll talk about that in a second, though. Before I go any further, though, I've talked about a bunch of stuff. A lot of it is very abstract a lot of conceptual ideas. I want to now bring it together and talk about something very specific when it comes to romance outside of the bedroom, how things start. And a great example of that would be a date. At the bottom point of my marriage, after my son was born, my second child, when I was having hard times with her, when she was having hard times with me, I just recently lost my job at the time. There was a lot of stress, and it was the worst part of our marriage. And if things went bad and stayed bad and came to go even worse, we wouldn't have been able to stick together, possibly. But at that time, Lena got some very interesting words of advice from a good friend. And she said to Lena, you should go out on a date with your husband every week. And even though we didn't like each other at the time, and we were really mad at each other and we had all these problems and stresses, we went out together. and It was fake at the beginning, but by doing things that help us connect together in a positive way, it brought us together to build further connections of happiness. So I just want to say, going out on dates with my wife, saved my marriage at our most difficult time. So, you don't need to wait until she's having severe postpartum depression and two kids to go out on dates. You don't need to wait until things are terrible to go out and have fun with your wife. If you make spending time together and being with each other and having fun together part of your consistent behavior, that's laying the foundation to having a much more profound experience in bed as well. Specifically, if you take your wife out on a date, then you spend time, you listen to what she's saying, you connect together, you talk about stuff that you don't usually spend time in your day-to-day life talking about. And you realize all the things that you were not sharing with each other. Part of being married is being able to connect and have that common relationship. When you don't have that, that's when it leads to, I don't know who this person is, who am I really, why am I here. When you have those connections, it strengthens everything together and keeps things strong when there is suffering and when there is hardship. Also, because you're out on a date or you're having fun together, this opens women up to feeling pleasure and experiencing happiness. So if I had to say one specific thing that is necessary for women to have an amazing time in bed, is women need to feel safe and secure in order to blossom sexually. If they're not feeling safe, that they feel threatened, whether it's stressed because of unpaid bills or because your parents are outside the bedroom door in the other room across the hall or there's other people in your apartment because you're sharing your apartment, they're not going to be feeling able and willing and open to express themselves. They'll feel closed up. They'll feel that they need to protect themselves. They won't feel safe and secure to really let themselves blossom. So, one way of approaching it is, how can I improve my wife's feeling of safety and security with me together in bed. And that also starts outside of the bedroom, making sure that the house isn't messy, making sure that that squeaky door or the squeaky bed isn't making a lot of noise, making sure that the kids are taken care of, making sure that there's no pending stress of a bill that needs, that's being unpaid. Whatever the case may be, if she's feeling safer, more secure with you together, that will unlock parts of her being that she's been keeping contained and protected from the harsh world. And you want to be the person who does that unlocking, who does that security giving. If she turns to somebody else for security, that is a huge breach of what it means to be married, because you're not providing what she desperately needs. There's many other things that we can talk about. We can go further in that direction, but I want to stop going there and talk about some other things. And then we'll talk about specifically about sex and being in the bedroom. People change. If I think about myself now versus me twelve years ago and her and our relationship in bed and what we like and what we don't like, things have changed tremendously. It's got sex has gotten better and better every year of my marriage. True, there were some hard times where it wasn't as good necessarily because we were both stressed and didn't like each other, or we were fighting. Every year has gotten more and more powerful, more and more profound, and I discover more things about her and about myself every year we're married. So with that said, as time changes, as you change, and as she changes, you have to learn to rediscover each other. You have to be willing to put the effort in to say, I know that worked five years ago, ten years ago, last month. Does it still work today? Is it still something that she likes to do? And that can be a lot of fun. Also, as your experience grows as well, learning to know that what you like and don't like, and what you thought was not good, and didn't work, could now very well work with your advanced experience. So I've talked about a lot of things: talked about some abstract things, talked about some conceptual ideas, talked about being having your wife be secure, being safe, being free from worry, all as precursors to building up to how to make your wife have amazing sex with you in bed. Before I talk about that, do you guys have any questions? So far. It's kind of hard, you know, all I see is my computer screen, I see a, a webcam, I hear myself talking. Without any feedback, are you guys liking this? Is it important? Is it like, oh, okay, when's you gonna get to the other stuff? Or do you want to talk about it more? So please let me know if you have any questions. You can either raise your hand and be called on to speak it out loud or you can type it in and then we can get the question honestly that way as well.
2: We do have a question, uh, Christoph. How do you do dates once a week when you can't afford that much money every week?
0: ha <laughs> So, now we're coming to one of the problems men have with dates. They say, oh, I can't go on a date because I'm poor. And because in their mind, they think that having a date means spending money. So, some of the most amazing dates I've ever been on were zero-cost dates. Going out for a walk, going to the library, going to the autobahn site and just hanging out in the parking lot, going on a drive together and viewing the nature, spending a night together in bed with Netflix. That's a date. If you treat it right, it doesn't have to be going out to a dinner and a movie and then coming back after not talking to other at all. A date is simply time where you and your wife are spending specifically together for the purposes of concentrating and focusing on each other and not worrying about the stress that surrounds you in your day-to-day life. Does that make any sense? The other thing is, I'm sure if you were desperate about thinking of a date, you could think of a date. When we really, really want something, we are able to bring crazy out-of-box solutions in all other aspects of our life. Why can't we do that for going on dates?
2: That person followed up with a question, what if your wife doesn't count those as dates, or how can I make it, how can I make it feel more like one?
0: Okay, so if they have a very specific idea of what a date is, let's say it's dinner and a movie. If you are doing it at home, she comes home from work, and you've got a dinner prepared at home. There's candles on the kitchen table. You have her favorite food or something that you don't usually make. Maybe it's some kind of special casserole dish or fish, which are both pretty easy to cook, actually, or something that she doesn't know you know how to make. If you have music playing in the background, if you have something delicious to drink, if you have delicious dessert available and you have a movie in a DVD case next to the table, how is that not a date in her mind? However, if she comes home and there you are and you say, "Oh yeah, dinner's on the stove," that's not a date. You're not showing that you're interested in and you care and you're invested in making this be a good experience together, right? The other idea would be you don't have to be the one who plans it all the time as well. You can take turns. You can say, "Hey, I like this is for a date." and then I'd like you to plan a surprise date and make it, it's not necessarily something that she will have to think, oh, he wants me to do half the dates. You can say, I would like to go on a date with you, but I want to be surprised. Please give me an awesome date, and then she can get inspired about making something good for you as well. And you also can make it a challenge. You can say, okay, I want to take you on a date, but I don't want to be a standard date, so we can't do a normal date thing. And if that's the rule of your challenge, then she knows preemptively that it's going to try to be a date that's going to be different, or trying to be new in that sense as well. With that said, there's a couple things I want to touch base on when it comes to having sex. The first thing is, if the key difference between men and women is for men the time, jack- the time to orgasm is about two minutes on average and for women it's 15 to 20 minutes, which means that if your sexual encounters are five minutes long, she is going to be very unfulfilled with those encounters. The next thing that I want to say is your mentality about what consists of a sexual encounter, when does it start, how does it end, that can also determine for you whether or not you're doing it right in your own mind. So a lot of this is what we call foreplay where we do things which does not involve direct intercourse to start having sex. And this also doesn't necessarily need to start in the bedroom as well. It could be as simple as start by holding hands and touching her shoulder and beginning to awaken that sense of touch and feeling touched in her before you even get to the bed. These are the kinds of slow things that build up, that cause that unflowering I was talking about before. For example, one of the things that I've found in my relationship is my wife, I touch her, I kiss her goodbye, Thirty minutes later, she texts me saying, oh, man, I want you so bad right now. But it's 30 minutes later, after I kissed her, hugged her, and then I left for work, whatever the case may be. So that kind of slow percolation happens for women. It doesn't happen like that for guys. So if we slowly build things up, by the time we actually get to the bed, she will be much, much more ready than if we just start cold starting in the bed. Does it make any sense? And because of that, when we build things up to lying in bed naked we can already have a lot of that groundwork preemptively taken care of by being cunning adroit skillful about how we apply that before we even get there when it comes to giving our wife orgasms the other really important thing is consistency and also a soft touch for a lot of times for guys it's about going faster and harder and more but some of the most powerful orgasms I've ever given my wife, when I was barely touching her. For example, using just the bottom of my lip to stimulate her, or even touching the skin on the outside, into the sides of her, not even directly touching her. And that soft, gentle touch can also be super powerful and arousing. Doesn't have to be super intense, and get stronger and stronger and stronger. That's how guys rule. So. We have to be willing to spend time with her where our focus is interested on having her be having a good time and not having to think about making it faster and harder and more. The other thing I want to say about sex is if we look at a woman, she's got arms and legs and a head, and then she's got a torso, and she's got sexual organs. But we think of her as a diagram or a roadmap, a map, if we make a map of female arousal, The center point would be orgasm, and the furthest away point would be where we start, and we have to get to that center point of orgasm. To do that, we have to go from the edge of the map to the center of the map. We can't just teleport to the center of the map. We have to drive past certain signs. We have to go down certain roads. We have to take certain paths. On some days, certain roads may be blocked. On other days, other roads may be open. So we have to know the territory. We have to be able to take more than just one road. If the only way we know how to give our wife for an orgasm is a certain path, if that doesn't work for whatever reason, sure, breasts are really sore or whatever the case may be, then we are out of luck. We don't truly know how to manipulate the area, go around, circumvent obstacles, and get to the destination. So the other thing to mention is we start at the edge of the map, which I usually refer to as her extremities, fingers, toes, her hair. And as we get closer to the arousal, that's when we get closer to the trunk of her body. If we just jump on her breasts at the very beginning, she won't be happy. She won't be feeling that it's comfortable. So we have to learn to wind our way through these different paths to find a road, not the road, a road to orgasm in that sense. And it changes all the time, and that's good. And It's exciting and new to try out new things and work our way towards that. Some of the funnest times I've had is when we're lying in bed together, and exploring each other's bodies, and trying to find new ways of stimulating each other. And our goal is not necessarily to have sex, but just simply to enjoy playing with each other's bodies. And that can be very great, too. Alright, one of the things I also want to talk about when it comes to having sex in bed. So we talked a little bit about foreplay. We talked about starting with soft things or slow things or getting there gently and not just diving directly in. But when you do get to those locations, what do you do? So I want to talk about oral sex. Now, one thing that's very strange for me is I would much rather go down on her than have her go down on me. So I know I'm a little bit weird like that. But I do believe, as what True Father says in our words here, that there is the most exquisite and infinitely endless taste that we can never forget after a thousand years. When it comes to giving oral sex, there are a lot of really good sources for advice and for wisdom, but maybe the best thing I can say about it is a woman's clitoris is super sensitive. It's not sensitive like our penis is sensitive, it's sensitive like an eyeball is sensitive, and we don't want a finger or a knee kicking us in the eye, and that's kinda like what our finger is touching her clitoris sometimes. So the indirect stimulation, where you're touching the outside, which then touches the inner folds, which then touches her clitters, could be the exact level of stimulation she needs. And as she has different levels of arousal, that changes. And as different days of the week happen, that changes. So one of the things I think guys are bad at is, we like finding the single formula that works, we like to do that same formula over and over and over again. because It's like math. 2 plus 3 is 5. It will always be 5. It should always be 5. It will always give me 5 but it doesn't work that way. And when you treat a woman like that, she feels that you're not being present, you're not invested, you're not interested in the moment and You're just going through the motions. Which, to be honest, sometimes you could be like that, right? You're not really applying what's working now, you're applying what worked in the past. And so sometimes I think that men are a little bit daunted by that. They feel that, oh, I have to keep on trying to figure out what's happening and I have to always remember these things and I have to, well, how come it just can't work always the same way? And the answer is, it does work the same way similarly, but the infinite nuance, the infinitely endless taste will always be slightly different, and that's an exciting and good thing.
1: Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our Love and Integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.